little touch pass there. Benson waiting, cuts in, he scores! Oh my! Into the middle, holding, back, Toporowski shooting, shot block, got it back, shot, score! Center of pass forward, of stop, shot, back to play, score! In front, Groove scores! Jaden Groove scores the triple overtime winner. Welcome into WHL Unfiltered. Uh, pleased to be joined from Swift Current by my co-host Sean Mullen and also from uh, Medicine Hat, Alberta by the uh, broadcast voice of the of the of the Medicine Hat Tigers, uh, Gino uh, DePaoli. Actually, I should ask you how to pronounce that. You you nailed it. You got it on the first crack. <laughs> it's unfiltered. So do we get to swear on this or what? <laughs> you know, we don't really have a policy, but we tend to <laughs> I not. I, I don't know. I promise. I promise. I promise. I was like, <laughs> we we don't care. But I, I think more it's that the the employers of those we talk to might. Yeah, fair That's, enough. No, I won't That's, be. I think you know me, Sean. I will speak my mind if I have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got we got no no problem with that. I mean, it's always it's you know side note, but again, that's the whole purpose of this format is the whole thing's a side note. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as much as as hockey is profanity, I'm always like, why don't we just full bore broadcast? Like, who who cares, right? Like, I mean, that's certainly the way it is on the ice. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair, man. I'm happy to be here. It's exciting. Uh, it's been some exciting times in the Eastern Conference right now. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's so, so, go ahead. Go ahead. So, Gino. Uh, yeah, Gino. Uh, you know, um, pretty small shoes to fill for you uh, in your first <laughs> full-time broadcasting gig in the Western Hockey League. Uh, only the only single voice in the history of the Tigers, and and the longest-running voice in, I think, all of hockey. Uh, how did you feel about that process, and and how did you kind of wrap your mind around it? Well, I had uh, the story kind of begins long before uh, Bob Ridley had retired. I had a really good relationship with the now uh, head of player personnel, Bobby Fox, and I was doing a little bit of work uh, outside of hockey in that hat one day, and I just text Bobby. I said, "What are you doing?" And he's like, oh, "I'm just hanging out at the rink, and you want to." what are you up to? I said, well, I'm in Manhattan. I just want to go have coffee. He's like, you know, you should go have coffee with Ritz. So Bobby's been wanting me to be in the Western League for a long time. And it started out literally with a cup of coffee and uh, I think a donut, Tim Hortons. Uh, how classic Canadian is that? And I kind of, you know, at that point, I never wanted to pry into, into Bob's life. I, I always thought that was unfair when people were hoping he was going to be done or went, uh, Bob should be retired soon. I, 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 I don't wish that on anybody. And I always kind of said, Bob, you got to go out the way you want to go out. Like, don't listen to these idiots, which would include guys like me, probably. <laughs> and I, you know, I just kind of went back and forth. I'm going to make sure how he was doing. You know, we every time I'd stop at Mad Hat, I'd give him a text. We'd have a, another coffee and just chill out and just talk about life. I, ne- I never really talked about hockey a whole lot with him, actually. And then this past um, summer, I was kind of at a crossroads with my life and 
where do I go next? And lo and behold, a couple drinks deep in um, Turtle Lake, Saskatchewan. I'm, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say that. And my phone starts to ring, and it says Bob Ridley. And I'm like, oh, this ought to be good. <laughs> he kind of had asked me. He said, well, what's kind of your plans for next year? And for those that maybe know who I am, and that don't matter, it's I'm not that important. I was doing Junior A with the Oak Tokes Oilers for 11 seasons, and was you know what? He kind of asked me at, at the beginning. It sort of was. He, Bob was going to do just home games because of his cancer treatments, and he needed somebody to go on the road for him. I said, absolutely, why not? That would be fun. Just jump on the road. I'll meet you there. And it would just kind of work out for my family situation as well. But And then a few days, he said, okay, I'm going to put you in touch with the right people. And we went from there. And, and then a few days later, he announced the, the full-blown retirement where he wasn't coming back at all to the broadcast booth. He still comes to most of the games at home here and it's awesome to see him and get to chat with him every once in a while when he's here. Uh, I know he's, he is a, he is a legend. He is the greatest of all time. There will never be another one, and nor should there be because of what he's done and what he's given back to this community. And you know what? Uh, health uh, scares a lot of people. Uh, and you know what? The fact he did it for so long and even coming back from cancer and doing a few games, and it, it was just one of those situations. And he asked, and I threw my hat into the ring, and, you know, fired out the old de- demo tape that had a little dust on it, and and the rest is history. Went through the interview process, and I don't know how many other people were involved in it, and I would like to hopefully say I won the job that way. Le- Eleven years in junior A—that's that's almost like fi- that's almost like fifty years in our league. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's funny because there's a lot of guys in my league at the time. I think there was a couple twenty-year guys that were humming along so i was still pretty young in that league so it's it's crazy actually when you think about it but you know what it was just time for a change i'd been kind of shooting for a western league gig and i kind of i've always had a family sort of ties to thing try to be as close as possible to home not that i'm a homebody but you know that's just something that was kind of instilled with me as a as a child and well i'm still a man child now i think and but just, you know, being close to home, being close to, obviously, my girlfriend. And, you know, what my, my mom, obviously, went through a lot a few years ago, losing my dad. So always kind of made sure I was always as close as possible. But at the same time, I get to live out a dream in, in the best junior league in, in in the entire, you know, North America, I would say. It's the best junior league you can ask to play in. Well, I think people outside the broadcast world don't quite understand um, the limits of those opportunities in that you, know, you say, oh, I'm in broadcasting and, and people go, well, there must be, opp-, you know, I, I'm from Ottawa. I live in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. You know, it, 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 if you wanted it, a lot of times you had to be willing to completely uproot yourself. And yep. there's only so many jobs. And then when people get them, even the ones that don't pay so great, you know, you talked about Junior A. I mean, I love calling Junior A and Trail, but you're not you're not making a mint doing that. You have to find nope. other things to do. Um, but even those jobs, people keep them. They hang on to them with, as tight as they can because it's it's a job people that do it are incredibly passionate about. So, so when, you know, I think from the outside, when people see uh, the excitement and celebration of somebody being able to get that opportunity, it's because they're really tough to get. And, and a lot of my friends used to be like, oh, you'll be in the NHL soon enough. Like, it's just a normal ladder. There's... There's so few jobs compared to how many people would love to do it that when you finally get there, I mean, you're a great broadcaster. 11 years in junior A, you know, it, it took somebody who had done it for 52 years to retire for you to get the chance to move up. So what did that feel like when it finally happened? Well, maybe I, I would, I'll guarantee you this, Sean. I'm not the guy 
no one should follow the path that I took because I probably took the bumpiest, dustiest, muddiest road possible because I, you know, I, I started out in Melford, Saskatchewan for junior A. That was for a year. Then I moved over to White Court for a year to do junior B to get a little closer to home because money wasn't great and, and the money was a little bit better to do junior B of all things before they became M- the junior A. Money wasn't good in Melford? <laughs> Yeah, that's another story for another day. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but on top of that, going back and I went back to the university, back to the University of Calgary, uh, and lo, lo and behold, the guy who actually actually brought me in in Okotoks uh, moved to White Court after they got the junior A team because I had quit. I had had enough. I was just going to go hang out with the Calgary Mustangs for a few years and say, well, I, I tried, right? And I went and got back got my communications degree at the University of Calgary and lo and behold the Oilers job came up and I just put my hand up and I had a previous relationship with that team and they brought me in and you know I was still going through school for about two and a half years so that was fine and I had worked oil field and I had worked you know in in the construction business for years and then slowly branched out worked in radio again at close to home so I was on the farm and you know, and I was able to make it work. That was the only way I could make it work just with that. It probably took a few years off of my social life before finding the uh, perfect person to spend the rest of my life with. But it was just a path that I took, and I just stuck with, like, you know what? You know what? If I can do it locally, I would probably have been happy with that too. But I, I had to prove it to myself and, the you know, everybody around that I could do this. Been shortlisted. And you talk about the journey, Sean. Like, I got shortlisted in Brandon to the Wheat Kings, lost out to Brandon Crow because he was the perfect man for the job. Like His name's Brandon, he's from Brandon, and he's a hell of a broadcaster. And and then I went and applied for Prince George uh, with the Cougars, of, I think a couple years later, and Fraser Rogers got the gig, probably one of the best voices in junior A hockey today because he's back with the Penticton Beaks, and what a fun place to play and call games from. So, lost well, out it's in the of, corner there, though. So That's true. Like, but it's still... they still boot. It's easy for them to win. Like winning solves yeah. a lot of problems, and that's this what is, the fees are doing. And then, yeah, I applied for a couple other ones. I applied for Edmonton, but that was kind of during the Corey Graham sort of thing, where we, they weren't sure if he was coming back. And I had kind of, I wasn't offered the job or anything. I'll be the one to say that. Like I kind of said, hey, I'd like a little bit of security if I'm going to go up to Edmonton, right? And that didn't really happen. Andrew Peer got the job, and good for him. He's a good friend of mine, another HHL guy. And then in Prince Albert, uh, lost out because their test audience didn't like how I sounded. And I was like, a test out, <laughs> a test audience in Prince Albert? Okay. <laughs> sure thing. Okay. Yeah, okay. We're going to just sit that one out. And, you know, and after that. Test like, audience? Oh. I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated by this. Yeah. What did they, That's a what true did story. It's a true. I what don't know they, what they do. I have no did idea. They, did they, like, grab 20 fans out of the stands uh, and their milk crates and ca- say come and sit and, <laughs> and, and listen to and listen to uh, 10 minutes of each guy yeah i i don't know Bizarre. what they did and it says yeah you did meet the test audience thing. and i like rob man he's a great broadcaster so i was whatever and i was just like really i'm like i lose out like and that's what i kind of hit rock bottom with the like jesus i can't even win i can't even hit the test audience in prince albert saskatchewan like it's I like old, Prince it's Albert, old. but that's just... I've never heard of that. You yeah, know? it's a true story. <laughs> I, I can't lie about it. Because I'm a terrible liar. <laughs> so. Well, you know, and I won't say who, but I've had a broadcaster who made it to the highest level that you can get. And and they told me, you know, 
all it takes is one person doesn't like how you sound and not everybody yep. will and so if the person that's your boss doesn't like how you sound or a test audience or you know a coach or whatever the case may be you might have put all the work in you might be great 90 percent of people might like you but all that matters sometimes is that one person doesn't and that could yeah. be the end of you. yeah that was kind of the thing and that's what i kind of hit rock bottom and then you know what bob ritz bob ridley kind of pulled the you know what gave me one last shot that was kind of my climb of the mountain that was it or i'm i'm pretty much done and i'm moving on to something else and what that was be god only knows because i've only done this for like the last well if we do the math damn near 15 years now so <laughs> it's kind of it's come full circle and i i've been totally blessed like being here with the tigers they're very traditional a very loyal uh ownership group with daryl and brent mazer and the coaching staff you know you got one of the greatest of all time again with willie desjardin he's a he's a hero in this city and joe fraser and josh macer and his son jace who's the video coach it's a really cool sort of evolution of you know loyalty and you know how they kind of come through the ranks so i'm, I'm very fortunate to be working here I, we've got a lot of work to do obviously from last season and still kind of getting that COVID turnaround with the Western Hockey League and an 11-win season didn't help that. So, But what a great time to sort of have a bad season because they drafted extremely well. And Gavin McKenna is kind of a guy everybody's talking about for next season. And this group, even without Gavin, is going to be really good. And They're starting to show what their potential is going to be right now in the playoff race here in the Eastern Conference. Well, if I would have known the test audience didn't like you, I maybe would have found somebody else to, <laughs> to come, on, come on the show tonight. I mean, come on, Portland. We, we've got we've we've got we've got listeners, and I hope anyway, in in, in PA. But um, yeah, you talk maybe about, not anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I never did, so that's fine. <laughs> but you know, you, you you talk about you know turning things around on the ice for the, for the Tigers. And, yeah, it's been kind of – getting people to come back to the rink has been a little bit of a struggle. And, you know, you can't you can't have a show about our league and, and not talk about the Regina Pats. I mean, you guys had a, a, a full barn here uh, uh, last week. I mean, what, what what was it like to be, you know, that that particular chapter of, uh, of, of Connor Bedard's tour of, uh, of, of sellout buildings? It was really cool, actually. I, I mean, I'd never been in a building that full in my life for junior. Uh, I know a couple times as a kid, or as a college kid, Saint, I was in Calgary, and it was uh, kind of that 07, 08 Vancouver, Calgary, sort of Tyson Sexsmith versus, you know what, uh, Martin Jones, and the Salle Dome got pretty full, but it was only like maybe 15,000, and you know, there were still places to set, but this was something else that like we kept releasing in blocks. They always have kind of set up in Met Hat to fill the bowl first because they always kind of go back to that 4,006, just in that single bowl there. Sean would know the 4,006 yeah. more than anybody. And, and then the second deck was kind of the bonus. Well, the second deck was selling out, and, and they would just kind of open the decks in blocks, and then the blocks were just opened up, and it didn't take long. And I think we're down to single tickets in the upper deck again for Connor Bedard Mania Part Two on March 11th on on Saturday in Mad Hat, so like a Saturday, March 11th. So it was cool. You know what? Got to interview Connor uh, via Zoom. Kid's been through a lot, so I kind of took it easy on him. I was not going to grill the kid anyway. He's done so much. The WHL owes him a couple cars or a house for what he's done for them. Like. Uh, you know what? He he doesn't need he doesn't know anybody anything in this league after he's done none. So what he's done, he might be the savior of junior hockey in Western Canada. He really might 
and you might bring guys back because that you know there's always been great talents here. We know this. Like you look here in Met Hat, the Jay Bowmeisters of the world, the Joffrey Loophole, and even more recently with James Hamblin and Mason Shaw. Like, but they just never had the the aura that Connor Bedard has. And the only player that I think this just kind of goes back to a couple of conversations with people is 1986 with Joe Sackick and. Uh, fellas, I wasn't born yet when Joe Sack played for the Swift Current Broncos, so it was kind of one of those where you know he's just done so much, and you know the fans got their money's worth. He scored first, the Tigers scored five, they won the game five one, and everybody went home happy. And you know he had a little uptick in sales for the next game against Lethbridge, and you know, it's something that you just hope will be a trickle down effect. And you know what, this is harder money. Money, I know. Ticket sales are are what they're going to be, and ticket prices are going to be set what they're going to be set at. And you know, hopefully, we just finally get to a spot where people can have that affordability back, and you know, get back to the so-called good old days a little bit here in Madison Hat. Well, and I think I touched on this in a previous episode, um, but one thing I think the league has to take from this, and you're somebody who's you know part of your job, you work for a team doing their broadcasts. Part of your job is uh, is selling the game. Uh, and and for all of us that sell the game, uh, you know whether directly or indirectly, I think you, know, you you can't expect there to be trickle down effect in that somebody came to the rank they saw Connor Bedard now they're going to be a you know a regular attendee necessarily. I mean you hope they had a good time and maybe they'll come back. But I think part of the lesson's got to be that yes, he was a generational type player, and that sort of hype machine happened and was a, a bit of a snowball and took off and all these places started to fill up but there's a lesson here isn't there that the junior league seemed to have avoided for so long in promoting the players themselves because i don't care what city you're in i mean you've done it you've done this a long time you listen to a radio commercial for a game uh it's going to be it's Smash Mouth Hockey, you know, the Tigers <laughs> against the Rebels, 7.30 on Friday. Like, they advertise the logo and yep. maybe, like, a promo they're doing. We, as an industry, junior hockey does a terrible job promoting <laughs> players from an attendance standpoint to their local markets. And not everybody's Connor Bedard, but there's a lot of great stories and a lot of great talents that you got to light the fire under people and, and give them a reason to come rather than a generic, you know, I like my hometown team kind of thing. Yeah. I think this should be a lesson in that. I don't know. Well, it's funny you bring that up, Sean, because I, I see it two ways. I understand you want to, uh, you know, promote your product and you should. Like, we had a, pre- we got, I, I'll, I'll go out and say we probably got the best in game host for promotions in Jesse Christensen. He was unreally cut like a WWE like promo with kind of 6,000 fans. And people went nuts for it. It was unbelievable. But on top of that, I, I noticed like on fan, it's more on fan pages at where you maybe say, "How come you're not promoting your own guys?" I'm like, well, the flavor of the month is '98 and blue, so you kind of got to go with it. But I kind of look at a couple other teams, and I won't, I won't name them just to, you know, keep everybody, you know, honest. I, I've seen one team's ad of, you know, what it was. It's Zach Benson and the Winnipeg Ice. Like, see the stars of tomorrow. I think they had Benson, Bedard. I want to say Stankoven for Kamloops because Kamloops is making their world tour coming around here, and we're kind of doing mm-hmm. the same because we're gonna like again. The Tigers are blessed; they get to see their former head coach and Sean Clouston come here, and they also get to see not just Logan Stankoven, but they also get Olin Zellweger, which 
Obviously, it didn't happen for the Tigers this year. They were in Everett, and Olin Zellweger didn't play in that game to suspend it that game. So you got got two World Junior gold medalists and potential All-Stars or faces of the league this year. And we have a little promotion coming out for to see Stan Coven and Zellweger because, you know what, we know what Bedire did at the World Juniors, but at the same time, he's only one kid. Like, Stankoven and Zellweger, look at those heavy minutes those two put on. What a show mm-hmm. they put on. If you haven't seen Zach Benson play yet this year, do yourself a favor and watch him. He's on such a great line with Matthew, Matthew Savoy and Connor McLennan. And they may say, you may compliment that line. He also might drive that line at times. And he's the guy that could go fifth overall in the, this year's draft, just a couple spots behind Bedard, but it's not being talked about. So I think, guys, players need to start doing that, and teams need to start doing that. Like, we need to market these players. And you know what? The Tigers might have a situation like that down the road with Gavin McKenna. He's a, you know, he didn't go for exceptional stats because he was still actually 14 years old when he got four points against Lethbridge in his WHL debut back on September 24th of 2022. But, you know what, I'm curious if Gavin can get to even half of the Bedard level. Like, this is a guy you're going to hear his name called. Like, it's no doubt in my mind. And it's, you know, sometimes we're in this bubble ourselves and we kind of take for granted that people know things. The the fans that go to the rink, they, they kind of know who the, the talents of the future are. They kind of know who your NHL drafted players are. But when you're trying to attract that sort of casual fan or the fan that watches NHL but you know, might go to one or two junior games a year. It's just drilling into their head. You know, even your own player. You know, uh, here in Swift, they had a pile of draft picks this past year. Yeah. And you know, they're they're promoting that. But I'm just saying, you know, the more you can do that, if you put a picture with them and and you know, say this guy drafted by New Jersey. It, like the more you can, the more you can excite somebody about a particular star. I mean, you mentioned wrestling. I, I saw you had, uh, you know, a uh, lover of pro wrestling themes on your bio on Twitter. That's a sport, right? Or a sport, uh, entertainment. That's star-driven. So you might have someone who would just generically go to the show, but then when you have a next-level attraction, then you get people that don't normally go that come. So it's it's kind of like you have your hockey fan, and if you want to bring that that extra 20%, 30%, then you got to find a way to create an attraction out of a special attraction out of the players rather than just the logo. I don't know. That's just, that's, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And the one thing I, and I love the word entertainment. I know we, we are in a sport, but entertainment now with local hockey markets, we have the expense, the, we have the attention spans of goldfish. It's plain and simple. We do. We really do. We got to keep be engaged the whole time. And I always go back to a model that's not hockey, but is a sport is the cross. And I watched the Calgary Roughnecks from afar, and I've loved what they've done with their product of, you know, they, they have come for the party, stay for the game, where there's drink specials, there's this, and there's giveaways, and you know what, you're screaming as loud as you can. And this is a sport that you can get, like, 25 goals a game from each, like from a total game. Like, you're seeing goals, you're seeing hits, you're seeing fights, you're seeing all the stuff you want to see. And I always kind of laugh. I said, if I go to a lacrosse game and remember the score, I did it wrong. <laughs> and we're we're kind of at that point where yes, you're, you're diehards. You, you you cater to them. You thank them for always putting their their hard earned money down for your season tickets. But that's how maybe junior leagues are going to have to maybe look at some models. 
else. It's entertainment first and the results are second. You got to like COVID I think exposed that for any league, for any for even major sports. If you and, don't and, have the entertaining value from either the first pitch of a baseball game, the kickoff in football, the first pitch in ba- baseball and, you know, opening puck drop, if you aren't doing something to engage your fans that isn't just the game, you're losing maybe that 20%, maybe that 20% is going to you know, put you over the threshold. Maybe you can invest more into your staff, more into uh, upping your game level experience, uh, making your video board a little better, or things like that. Something I've really kind of drove towards, and that was kind of the trickle down of, do I have anything left to, to give in broadcasting? Was the science and the economics and the social impacts that the game could actually have? What am I doing to keep everybody engaged? You're putting a trivia game up that you can hit the barcode and a trivia question come out and you can win a $25 gift card to God knows what. I, I really want to see things go that way. and I, I, I don't know how to do any of that stuff, but I love how <laughs> it's being done. I'm not smart enough to do it, but I'm trying to get smarter in that department. But that, well, that, you're, to, you're Chad, totally right. Chad, Chad, that sounds like Tuesdays in, in Kent, doesn't it? <laughs> no, well, that's and, and you're you're correct on the specifics, but the, I mean the bigger picture there. I mean, again, it, fans in, in in Swift Current and Oak Tokes and you know in, in Prince Albert, whatever. Like, yeah, they they know what offsides is. They know what league they're in. You know, here in the states, I mean, the the biggest question I hear from whoever happens to be sitting behind me is, you know, yeah, what 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 is offsides? And you know, is this a farm team for the Chicago Blackhawks? You know, and and yeah. that's 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 your typical, that's your typical fan. So you know, in order to in order to pitch Bedard, you have to sell them that there's a town called Regina. You know, I mean, it's so it's it's, it's a different animal. And so yeah, to to the the entertainment side, we're gonna have a party. Like, I mean, this this is a big soccer town right here, and that's exactly what it is. You have no idea if they, if they score, didn't score, who cares? We're gonna go have some beers. We're gonna chant. You know, have some FIFOs or whatever they do. So, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, we had well, it was the last uh, last home game we had was against Seattle, and it was a pitcher's duel, nothing, nothing into the third period. Great chances, posts up and down the ice. I mean, it was a fantastic hockey game, and Portland ended up losing three nothing. But you know, that's a not indicative of, of, of the game and. And I had actually scored tickets for a friend of my girlfriend's. And so I don't know if it was her first game, but these little boys that were, I think, 8 and 10, it was their first game, they were miserable. They hated it. hated every minute of it. There was no goals. <laughs> and it was it was maybe the best game I've seen all year, you know. But, again, you know, it, it listeners to this show, like, we, under, you know, are obviously, you know, educated hockey fans. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be here otherwise. But, you know, like – we need they needed a, a 6-5 game with lousy goaltending and and lots of mistakes in the in the in the defensive zone and we didn't get that we have a, a perfectly played game you know and so it's but but it did not sell and we had a you know over 8000 in the barn that night and i, I are they coming back i don't know <laughs> you know we're going to have to find out it- Hey, you got eight thousand through the door there. Like that's that's impressive. Like, I know the rose or the the glass palace. I, boy, did I love going there in October. That was a fun little rig to go into. I I thought it was great. And I think the one fan base I loved in the states was Spokane. Like they just they have their chant, the Chiefs, and they scored six times. They beat Best Nat six to three. So it was a great night all around. But exactly to your point, like 
you need somebody's got to score a lot of goals that night, whether it's the home game, home team, or the or the road team. Obviously, the home team would be preferable. And and then now, like, okay, here's your Gretzky that's coming. That maybe is Bedard. I don't want to compare him to Gretzky. I really don't. But here's the guy you want to come see, and you've got to market that. Like the best, like say the best that tires are taking on Connor Bedard and the Regina Pats. Like Regina's only secondary, but Regina is still coming to the game. And maybe Bedard, he only had the one goal tonight, but maybe they scored a couple more from somebody else. And everybody else was like, oh, this guy was really good tonight, too. And that's where you start kind of building. People pull out their phones and you're looking up elite prospects or hockey DB or just a simple Google search on NHL draft futures and things like that. And that's kind of where we're, you know, we're kind of going in circles there. But I think we're all kind of hitting the same po- points, aren't we? I think sometimes with hockey, um, oh, I think sometimes with hockey we're we're a little afraid to uh, to talk it up too much. You know, it, it's just you know like how you shouldn't celebrate too much, like how you shouldn't hot dog too. You know, but it's not even just saying Connor Bedard to catch the casual fan. I mean, this is the marketing side coming out after working in advertising, but you oh, gotta boy. be like, yeah, you know, you gotta be. You could see the next Wayne Gretzky uh, Friday or the next Connor McDavid or that. You no, know, because you, if you're gonna catch. And we don't want to say that because like, oh, we're putting the pressure on it or we can't call him that. But if you're going to catch the attention of somebody that isn't a hockey fan already, that name doesn't mean anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe it does a little bit, but then you have to put some, you know, you have to give people a reason. You have to, you have to really hype it up. And I like what you mentioned about the, the States because I had that same experience, especially my first trip through the U.S. division, just feeling the different atmosphere of the games there, you know, um, and, I've mentioned this story before, but what stood out in my mind the most on my first trip to the U.S. was in Everett, one of the rare seasons they were a poor team, which is almost never, and the Broncos had them down 2 nothing in the first period, and Everett scored, and I looked down from my broadcast position, and I saw a group of fans all high-fiving each other and whooping it up, and I just thought to myself, you would never see that in a prairie rink when you're down 2 nothing no. during a bad year. No, they'd be yelling, let's get the next one, get the next one, yeah. let's go. Like, you know, if you take it there, there's, Canada is they're the greatest, and maybe, man, I, I don't want to say this, but maybe we're the best and the worst talking fans at the exact same time. We just can't let the story tell itself, but, yeah, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of, like, the Major League movies with the with the Cleveland fans, when they're, you know, there's yeah. not that many there, it kind of reminds me of that, and then, I don't know, but you're totally right there, like, that's, US, the U.S. games were so fun to go to because it was a party first. But if they're good, then you're getting your diehard fans. And jerseys are for sale. They got the craft beer going. Everybody knows my love of craft beer. I wish I could have had three while I was down there, but I was working. And But it was just a great – and even in even in little old Kenwick in, in Tri-City, same thing. They kind of – everybody was complaining about the ring. Like, this ring is great. It's fantastic. Like, you know what? They – <laughs> the uh, – Medicine Tigers did run rough shop winning 11-3, but there was still some love in that first period when it was 3-2. It was pretty fun. So, I, hey, it, it is what it is, and hopefully we maybe, we won't see that gradual change for at least another decade, I would think, at this point. And what a spot Westy's got there, doesn't he? Oh, in, well, he's down below right now. in the crowd. Yeah. And then we, I'm upstairs, and I was like, okay, whatever. Like, it's it, it, it's the most broadcast boost in the AJHL, what, what Ken Wick has. <laughs> so, well, I, you, you feel the energy, though, where he mm-hmm. gets, you know, right, right down. I love the, I love, you know, and this is one of the things that you are fighting against in Medicine Hat, 
because you have a beautiful new facility, state of the art, all the fix-ins. Oh yes. All, all these new rings kind of lose some of the charm and the noise of the older ones. You know, Tri City's a loud building because it's it's still kind of that last generation. You know, um, these new buildings are built for concerts and they just don't quite have that same uh, that same vibe to them yet. Yeah. And and I think you know the Tigers are still looking to define that building. Uh, they haven't had a, a season or a run that really has defined it yet. Um, and I'm sure that's what you know Willie and company are building towards now. Yeah, they are. It, I, this is obviously a not this year team, but the next few years down the road team. And obviously, getting the playoffs is something that the Tigers take a lot of pride in. They went 20 straight years before they finally did make the playoffs. Shot. It, it's something that they this team holds very dear. Do you think they're going to try for another 20? Oh, you bet they are. <laughs> Why not? Because you love that. The playoffs is when you bring out your fans, and that's when. And then you, I can't remember with Dean Brockman or not, but he always told me this when I was yeah. in uh, when I was in Humboldt and Alfred with my first go, and he he always kind of mentioned to me, and it, it's no secret. He said, "Gino, the best recipe for success for any junior hockey team at any level is to go all the way and then lose in Game Seven. <laughs> I was like, in, in a financial basis, because you're you keep it all your money in house, and you're not, and your season's over." Instead of having to travel to like the Memmer or you know, <laughs> it was always a, it's more of it was more of a joke. Like, but you know what, Dean, you're on to something here. <laughs> like, that's how teams can make money for so long because you keep going to the second or third round and you you get that playoff revenue. And I know we're maybe supposed to talk about hockey, and I'm not a smart economist to do this, but that's the part of the game that I'm really starting to get into. It's like. How does this team get fucking keep staying the way they are? And maybe they're lacking in wins, but they're still doing well. And those are those little things that can you get a one more round out of this group? And then maybe you gotta move a couple pieces, but could you still be competitive out of those trades? That you know, take a step back to take two steps forward. Uh, obviously, the Tigers with the winning only eleven games last year. Uh, you know, they did that. They had a really good draft. I, I know a lot of people talk about how good their draft is. I. You and I saw a lot of those 07s last year, mm-hmm. Sean, and the only two I didn't see were the top two picks in the draft because I, I just didn't get to see them. They were playing U18 because they weren't playing U15, or they weren't playing, yeah, Bantam or, I guess, U15s now, I guess we got to call it. So, and, and, that, and that's the cool point of once in a while, it's okay to be bad, and I hope fans realize that. <laughs> well, and I hate to interrupt again. Uh, no, you're Chad, Chad, Chad talks, but, um, you know, it's a real balancing act. And, you know, Chad hasn't had to face this very much as a Portland fan because they're just good every year. <laughs> but but I, when I first came to Swift Current, you know, there's that talk of, uh, you know, the, the perspective of the board at the time for a long time was like, we got to get to the playoffs because that's how we break even and that's how we make some money. But they always kind of did what they had to do. And they the Broncos didn't miss the playoffs more than twice in the entire existence of their franchise for a long run. Um, but they hadn't done more than win around in about 20 years, you know? Yeah. So that get to the playoffs mentality works a little bit, but there becomes a general malaise too, when it feels like that's your ceiling, you know, um, that you're never going to go for it and do what you have to, to, to really make a run. Um, and you're never going to be really bad so that you rebuild enough to stock the kind of talent to yeah. really make a run. So, you know, mediocrity is kind of death, and and I I compare it to the Flames and the Oilers in the uh, oh, in, the, in the in the 90s and and you know the nine throughout the the 90s and early 2000s, there was a real malaise about the team. 
feeling like, yeah, maybe they'll make the playoffs, maybe they'll win a round, but there's no chance they can win anything. And then when the Flames went on that 04 run in Edmonton 06, you built a whole new generation of fans. All of these teams, I think, to, to create that passion, that excitement, that next level of fan base, they need one of those runs, a three, four round run to, to really, you know, grab the next generation. Well, there is one team, there's one team that doesn't follow that model, and that's Edmonton. They've done it twice. You, yeah. you load, put all your eggs in one basket two different times. And what happened two different times? You won the whole damn thing. And I thought, I, and that's so admirable. Now, Edmonton can do it because they're a big market team and they can get that, you know, like the Edmonton Oilers or, say, Calgary for the Calgary Hitman can be saved by, by, uh, or sorry, CSEC and, uh, Oilers Entertainment Group. They could be saved that way. But, you know what? Edmonton's rough this year. They trade all their draft picks. Are they going to be that much better next, the year after? Well, maybe a little bit, but it's going to take a while. But then once they get their draft picks back, they're going to do the exact same thing again. And I think there is some merit to that, too, like always going for it and wanting to be a winner. And I, I like that. So I, I, any team that goes for it and goes all in, Junior A was always a problem with this because so many teams made the playoffs that even a seventh seed thought they could maybe beat Brooks in round two or get to round two. I'm like, okay, you should be selling here. And get, but and again, they had futures. They didn't have draft picks, so it's a completely different ball of wax. So different, a lot of so different. And I like I always laugh because I I knew there wasn't future deals in, in the Western League. Like, is there such a thing as futures? And everybody just looked up at me and they're like, no. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> moving on. So it, it's been it's intriguing that way. And I give Edmonton a lot of credit for doing it that way. And even to your point, Swift and PA went all in, but it was okay the next year after they won the title. And, but still, like, Swift went all in, won the whole thing, and they did it the hardest way possible. And, you know, they didn't get the member, but they got the league title. And how wild was that city for, a, for a, like, mm-hmm. three months after, after, after Christmas? How crazy was that place? And, and Chad, just so the we're, – We're very Eastern Conference here. <laughs> do, do you know what the Futures thing in Junior A is? Have you ever heard I, about how that works? I, I, I am not familiar with this, no. Yeah. So they will trade a player, like a, a team that's lower in the standings will trade a player to a contending team get futures back, which could include a player that remains on their roster or a pick of, you can have one of these three guys or this particular guy. Then that player may continue to play for their current team before getting dealt to the team that they will play for the next year in the offseason. So it, it's a completely different way of doing business, but it does allow um, the better teams to really load up without taking away from their current roster. Yeah, that's that's a mess. And it's crazy because that backfires on for worse teams that teams players don't and then players don't report. Yeah, I've seen that a lot, and it's, it's, I think they need to get rid of the future thing in junior eight. They really do. Is, is... And sometimes it's just money. Well, yeah. and and one thing one thing you see, I mean, I, I was in Trail, and Trails had better luck since going private because their owner uh, had a lot of money and was willing to invest it, um, and really did a great job there. But ultimately, in Junior A, you know, they don't have a draft. They don't. They don't. They have it's so recruitment based that yeah. the same teams are great every year. We see some of that in the West League, but not as much because the draft really does allow you know a swift current. Prince Albert to devote the time and energy and good management to build up the kind of roster you need to contend 
in junior A, it's really hard to do that because you have to you have to recruit most of your talent, uh, and so it's a totally different animal. It's it's a weird animal. The SJHL does do a bantam draft, but that's just to get their rights. That's all it is. Like yeah. it's nothing special. So that's a that's a lot of junior A talk. <laughs> is 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 that why we we always say there's no uh, there's no salary cap in Penticton that kind of thing. <laughs> Well, they have more staff there. They have a larger coaching staff than some NHL teams. So, like, look I, at the Black Falls Bulldog to the AJ. That one will blow your mind. <laughs> I, I just pulled it up because I was looking at Frazier's role because I remember he went back and you mentioned him. Um, and I'm always amazed when I look at Penticton uh, and and their staff listing. And you know, good on them. They have the resources. They invest in it, uh, and and people want to be there and be a part of it. But they have Fred Harbinson, GM coach, Steve Colley, assistant GM coach, Cam Barker, assistant coach, Brendan Kerr, athletic therapist, uh, Matt Miller, assistant video coach, Matt Fraser, skills, strength, conditioning coach, Jesse Plewis, goaltending coach, uh, then a consultant. And in other years, that's smaller than they've had. They've had like three <laughs> other assistant coaches and an analytics guy at di- in different years. It, it's it's amazing, um, but yes, that that is why they say that. And and a lot of times these teams will. Uh, there was one team, not Penticton at the time. Um, Vernon was known for when I was in BCHL for bringing in so many committed guys uh, and saying saying they'll all have a, a you know top minutes. And then there's too many of them, and then within a month or two, some of these guys who came out to play. Vernon or Penticton or whatever, that's why they chose the BC League, end up in Merritt or or Quinnell. (laughs) Quinnell, there's a name you're bringing back. Yeah. Yeah. So it it was a unique uh, unique way of doing business. That's for sure. Uh, The Western League certainly, you know, I love Junior A, but the Western League certainly does create a more open competition for um, the different markets, I'd say. If they they did futures in the Western League, that'd be complete anarchy. (laughs) It would just be wild. <laughs> we might win a Memorial Cup game or two, though. <laughs> That's fair. Let's not put that in anybody's ear, though. Let's not. Let's get away from futures. Yeah, well, I mean, we've talked to any number of directions here. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, 40 minutes into this conversation, we could talk about the current version of the Medicine Hat Tigers for a little while in case there's in case there's anybody tuning in for, for that kind of content. Uh you know, does it, uh, does this, everything kind of, you know, is, is Wise Black kind of the straw that stirs the drink so far this year? Uh, for Oasis, yeah, he's been really good all year. I, I think there was times where he's playing with too much of an edge and he may be hurting his team. He does lead the team in penalty minutes as well. Uh, he was getting some pretty costly penalties at the start of the year, but you know what? He's got a little bit of the Brad Marchand, you could chuck persona to him where he's, you, you know, you would hate you hate him, but you'd love him on your team, sort of thing. He is a buzzsaw. He does a lot, a little things behind the play, and you know he wasn't the leading point getter for the longest time. Now he is getting those primary, and he's getting on those secondary assists. And him and Andrew Basher are a very good pair offensively. I think he's been, and they've been doing it with a, at the time being a defenseman turned forward in Pasha Botrov, who was playing with Drew Krebs on the back end for a long time, but he's been playing four for the last little bit, and he actually has a just over 12% shooting percentage now. And the, You know, it starts with Oasis on that line, but the Tigers are going back to the Tiger glory days of trying to be a four-line team, and that's kind of been the MO of why Willie Desjardins' team has been so successful in the past. And 
you, you see that from line one to so-called line four. It's whether you have Caden Lindstrom and Dallin Moline and Hunter St. Martin forming a nice line, Braden Bain, Tyler McKenzie, and Tomas Mersick, and O'Neill, Shane Smith, Brendan Lee. Like, that's balanced throughout your entire lineup, and then you get to throw in a potential exceptional player that could have been exceptional but wasn't this year in Gavin McKenna, you know, Hayden Harsani down the road, Caden McCann, all those players. You've got a really good group here in the back end starting to get more solid as the season goes on with the likes of Bogdan Hottest, who's a world junior for Latvia, and two straight world juniors for him, and Drew Krebs, a draft pick of the Nat- of the Washington Capitals, Rhett Parsons, a, a good steady Eddie on the back end, and Josh Van Bulgen, Reed Andreessen, uh, and Curtis Smythe, a 20-year-old from Portland, who's just really just fell in as a veteran, and you know, he or not, he's not given up much in that same aspect. Maybe the biggest success now, the Tigers play their best hockey, 7-1-2, uh, and two, I believe, or sorry, seven one and one, and sorry, seven one one two in their last ten games. And Beckett, Lanko, and Evan may have been really good in that. There, I think everything's kind of starting to go into fruition. It's just taking a little bit longer. Hey, one win, this Tiger team's in six. One loss, they may be they may be in ninth or tenth. I mean, how the Brandon Wheat Kings come into this conversation as we head kind of into the. This is truly the home stretch now here in the middle of February and the season ending on the 25th of March with a home and home against Swift Current. Again, playoffs will be a factor and implication and seeding when those two games roll roll along there. Yeah, and exactly what you said is what I noticed. I got a chance to, uh, and we saw each other when I, when I got a chance to broadcast the Tigers game in Regina a couple weeks back. And you know, I follow the league as best I can, but certainly not to the level that I used to when I was broadcasting in the league full-time. And as the game wore on, I kept going, oh, that's another pretty good line. Well, that's another pretty good player. You know, oh, who's that guy? Oh, who's that guy? <laughs> and, 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 and you start to realize, like, yeah, you didn't have, like, one or two guys that are really pulling the ship, but every line there was somebody coming out, like, and they were making some noise and they were buzzing. And you look at the stats... You know, the Tigers have seven guys with 30 points or more, 12 with 20 points or more. And then, you know, not to pick at Regina, just because they were the opponent that day, but you have Bedard nearly at 100 and Suze Deleb and Howe, but they've only got five players at 30 points or more and six at 20 or more, right? So so that's the that's the op, kind of the opposite type of lineup, right? The, the Tigers are building that, you know, four-line team, and a lot of those guys are players that are going to be here for a while. So when I saw that game and I saw the whole team kind of buzz and play with the similar mindset and they kind of outworked Regina despite getting down and came back and won, I, and you, you talked about the momentum they have right now, this is a team that the way they play and because they play with depth, they could be pretty scary down the stretch because they're not relying on one or two horses. The, the whole group is kind of tugging at it. Well, and the weird thing is they... They're 186 goals for, and I believe 175 against, which is actually for goals for. That's second in the entire division now. It's actually quite wild that they're a so-called fifth-place team. Like how deep the Central actually is outside of Edmonton, who are you know getting ready for the next two years. It, it's I never know who's going to be the who's going to be the first star of the night. It's not like in Regina where you're probably going to call 98's number at least once for a three-star selection and. And, you know, it, it doesn't end. Like, at some a couple nights, it's been a defenseman night where it's Krebs, Hot-Ass, Parsons, and Botcherov, and 
Van Dreesen and Van, Van Mulgan and Smythe, they've been putting up some nights as defenders. And Tomas Mercik as a, as a six, as a, sorry, as a 16 rolled in 07, getting that game winner in Regina. You know what? Just, he's a first round pick of a couple drafts ago and Caden Lindstrom, same boat. Like, he's in rookie scoring and, you know, a potential first rounder next year. So I, the depth is great, and that's what Matt Hat's always been about: is depth, depth, depth. Like you know, superstars. You have the Ennises, and, you know, Ham, James Hamill was a heck of a hockey player. Mason Shaw was a good player. It is exactly that. There, there's balance, and there's no room for individuals on this in this in this entire building. You know, we've we've touched on you know Willie a couple times, and you know, I feel like with that kind of depth and that kind of you know everybody pulling on the same rope is pretty signature, you know, style of his. I mean, what, what's, what's it been like working with, uh, with, with really desired so far this year? No, uh, it took a little time. I wasn't, you know, Willie and, and Bob are very good friends off, like outside the rink. And I obviously got kind of thrown into it right away with Joe Fraser's, of, you know, this is a guy I'm working with a lot and same with Josh and, and even Jason's son. I talked to them a lot, but they've opened me with, open arms and they're kind of bringing me in on a couple well not bringing me in that's the wrong way of putting it but you know they i had to earn the trust right away you know what it's not earned in any whl organization everything's kind of close quarters and kind of feel like you know it's from (laughs) meet the parents uh with robert de niro and enter the circle of trust sort of thing so i've slowly made a couple rivets in there and They've treated me well. I, 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 and I ask them questions every day because, you know, they don't stop working. I, I think the example is on the bus without doing the what happens on the bus stays on the bus shtick is, you know what, the video's on from Swift Current to about the time we roll into Met Hat. Like everybody's getting sat down. It, the work doesn't stop. And the game's over for them. And, they, they do a lot of great work there. And it's, it's nonstop for those guys. The hard work is, is put in here in this off in the in the tiger's office down below at, at the video room with with jace and, and josh and joe doing their practices running power play and penalty kill and willie's kind of just been a great mentor and he knows how to manage a game he's done a really good job of game management the last three weeks holy cow like he's been incredible like it really goes back to the regina game he never changed his strategy didn't put his lines in the blender and just kept rolling, Sean. You saw that firsthand. Like, it didn't matter. It, he just has faith, and his teachings, have, it just follows through, and that's what makes a mess in that tiger a mess in that tiger. Have you got any sense? I mean, like you said, you're still getting to know him. I mean, he was gone. For, he, he was He's a legend of junior hockey coaching ranks. Then he was gone for quite a while, uh, had a great run in the American Hockey League, got a couple of NHL jobs, and came back. And I, I know... I had chats with some longtime coaches like Lauren Mullenick and and Don Hay and and some others about how much um, the game had changed, the approach to the players had changed, how much the players have changed, how many more tools you have. Uh, have you got a sense from Willie at all that you know there was some adjustment in coming back to junior versus how it was when he ran the ship a decade ago? You, I think the one thing with Will, and again, I this is month what five or six for me so this is probably a terrible sample size for me he he's a very personable coach and i think that's what's always made him great is that you he he sits down and talks to players and he talks to them like a human he doesn't belittle them i don't i've never seen him yell at somebody in my life 
life. I'm sure he'll yell at me one day, and I can't wait for that day. But it hasn't happened yet. So I think he's just always been a very personal coach. And when you're a father, that changes a lot of things. And you know what? He's got three great kids, and he love like he just loves the game. He's very passionate. He wants everybody to get better. It's not I have my agenda. I'm here to win titles. Get out of get off my lawn. It's no everybody's a Pete as is, is, is they're like kids to him. They really are like his like 21 sons in that room, and there's no one that's left behind. And, it doesn't like, and that's been an attitude of Matt had, I think, for whoever is here is you're not putting one player on a pedestal. You're all on the same pedestal at the same time. It's never the accountability is the same. We all, if one guy didn't have a great, we all didn't have a bet. We didn't have a great game. It's it's something like that that I I don't think a lot of coaches still realize that. And I was a guy that was ruled by an iron fist when I was coaching. You know, family, you know, scaring you back. You're like, don't let me, don't let me get out of my chair, sort of thing, or it will be trouble. But you know, there's a lot of that that he has been personable, and he, he talks about a level, even keel level at all times. I think that's something that gets undervalued so much in coaching these days. And and I'm no coach, and I think a lot of coaches are are very personable now because the days of being that hard nosed going to be hard to play against or like hard to coach against and accountability you know that's kind of gone a little bit so and and Willie I've never heard him yell I've heard him yell because I was in Winnipeg and I was right below the bench but he never he does rate his the octaves don't go high as you or I on a broadcast <laughs> you know you we, we meant you touched on it earlier you know seven seven one and two in your last ten that's that's uh, better than every team in the East, except for Winnipeg over over their last ten. That's that's better than Red Deer and Saskatoon. Some some teams that are getting a lot of uh, a lot of attention as good teams. I mean, you know, Willie must be pulling the strings, you know, pretty pretty well over the last little stretch here. You think uh, you think they turn the page and they can they they can keep this up with uh, with with the horses they have? Well, this is gonna be a really interesting stretch, and I don't know if this will be a stretch that tells the tale for the Tigers. But you've got a pair of games against the division leader in Red Deer. They're a good team. Don't let Red Deer fool you. Like I know on their road trip, they they had a little bit of a tough go at times, but they're still getting points, and they're, they defend well. Their goaltending's getting better with Red Stolzer and Kyle Kelsey. I really was impressed with Stolzer the last couple of games I've seen him play. And they're resilient. They're strong. Ben King's back. Like that's a guy that's point per game. And, I remember at one point when I was studying the team, and this is early on in the year, Ben King, 208 games played. He's got 210 points. That was a long time ago. That's not it now. But he, Red Deer kind of controls the destiny of the Central Division for a lot of teams. and That's a big pivotal four points. And you've got Kamloops the following week, one of the top teams, the top team in the BC Division, the Memorial Cup hosts, Zellweger, Stan Coven, all here, a chance to be really good and, Swift Current, I still think, has, like, their U.S. road trip was tough. I know their schedule strength is one of the highest or one of the toughest down the stretch to make things interesting. But, again, one point from the Regina Pats in sixth to, I believe it's three or four in tenth with the Brandon Wheat Kings involved in all of this mess. Where the heck of a finish? Calgary let, Calgary's lost ten straight. They've got points in quite a few of those games, but they still have lost ten straight games. They're on a bit of a slide right now, and the Tigers' longest losing skid was, I believe, seven at one point early on in the year. It was tough coming home. I think the Tigers are playing their they obviously are playing their best hockey statistically, but overall, it, it 
they have a really good shot here. I know Lethbridge might be hard to catch from second because the way they've played all year, they're a very steady, uh, in-your-face style of hockey club where Brent Kissio takes no for an doesn't take no for an answer, and he's adjusted the way he coaches a team, and they've got themselves in second place. And if they didn't win that first game shutting out Matt Hat last Friday, and if the Tigers had won that game, you go from that to a seven-point window from fourth to second in the entire central division and then the playoff race gets even more interesting down the stretch so i think the tag like this will be a really big big weekend to see how far they've come and where they need to get going to the next level but man you can't really fault the efforts of how they've played since literally since done playing five straight games against the swift current broncos (laughs) well and you look at last year and the playoff race was pretty darn entertaining too uh, Prince Albert snuck in right at the end with 61 points. You had Regina, Swift Current, Calgary all sitting with 59. And so it literally came down to the last weekend. Um, that was only four teams involved. You mentioned there's six teams here. Uh, it, it's, it looks like it's going to be really tight. And one thing we did see last year, uh, in the end, it was the more veteran, playoff-hardened, experienced team that snuck in. But I'm not sure if there's any one of these teams that qualify as that. No. Uh, so it's it's going to be a great experience for all of them, and you're going to learn a lot about your players, whether it's Medicine Hat or Swift Current or uh, Brandon or Regina, whomever, Calgary. Every Everybody in this race is going to learn an awful lot about their players and their team uh, because they're going to be playing playoff hockey starting right now. Well, and I think that's thrown a lot of teams off guard, and I know – for a fact, a few teams have thrown the back up towards Bed Hat, and they've made them pay over the last couple of times. So, and yeah, I, I think I was looking at some playoff experience. There's uh, like Regina has zero, like Swift Current doesn't have any with their roster, and Med Hat doesn't have any. Like you'd have to look back, Curtis Smythe would be your only one with the Portland Winterhawks for for Med Hat, and Brandon hasn't really had a whole lot, and COVID wrecked a lot of that. So, if you didn't make the playoffs last year, you're really behind the eight ball for what it takes to win and does the officiating change a whole lot from regular season to playoffs and how do you win those games? And it's going to be, it's going to be a beautiful mess is what I call it. Like there's, <laughs> it's going to, it's going to be a war right down to the end. I think those two games against Swift exactly for both, well, both them for the Broncos and the Tigers, it's going to be, you might be going from playing Winnipeg to potentially Saskatoon who's kind of hovering in that seat. And I don't think Moose Jaw is going to catch him and neither is Lethbridge. So, you're kind of pushing for that three seed and give yourself a chance from there because Tigers didn't win any games against Saskatoon this year, but they had a couple one-goal games and tight, tight an overtime game. It's a good spot for them to be if they could sneak into sixth. Yeah, pretty pretty interesting. It's definitely, we've been, you know, we talk about probably every week about, you know, you want to, I mean, it's, it's, it's the most obvious thing in the world that you want to, you know, finish higher up in the standings to try to get a better a better seed but you know if you can if you can avoid winnipeg in the first round that's uh you know that's kind of your first goal and then you kind of work backwards from there with uh with red deer and 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 then you mentioned saskatoon so oh yeah sorry i, I didn't know if you were done there or not chad but yeah all roles are gonna go through winnipeg i i, I look at that team and holy smokes are they stacked like there's not a bad player on that roster right now and they Kind of figured out Mason Bopit and Daniel Hauser a bit. Bopit's been getting better, and you know he wasn't great with Spokane, and Spokane dealt him to Winnipeg. They've got great insurance, and 
Yeah, I mean, like Benson, McLennan, and Savoy are just on a different planet right now. How good they are, but they, there's some vulnerability there. There could be a chance. Like, do you take a team lightly? Do you run into a hot goaltender for a while, and can you get one past? And then it gets harder and harder. But I, I think how great is it that all the stuff that's happening with Winnipeg on and now off the ice? But everybody's talking about Seattle. Everybody's talking about Campers. Winnipeg's in a really good spot where they just have to go out and play. And I, I think that even is so much. Well, I know the rankings are there, but er, everybody's still talking about hand the title to Seattle now. Everybody is, but I think Winnipeg's going to make that a seven gamer if they get there. I really do. So just on the on a different frame, just for a second, because we're kind of getting close to the end. Uh, you and I have had a chance to do some work with the HM Live, a company out of uh, out of Alberta that does you know digital broadcasts for all sorts of different things, including a lot of tournaments with prospects. Um, and, you know, for somebody who's no longer a, a full-time team broadcaster, it's been an opportunity uh, to do a whole bunch of different things, and the industry's changing a lot. So for mm-hmm. someone who has been through, you know, the traditional route and then a, a less traditional route, you know, you started in a more traditional route towards a less traditional route, how do you see the, the industry evolving with more things like this, um, more different kinds of opportunities. You know, the, the road that it was even 10 years ago is, is changing um, and, and all sorts of different paths in order to do this kind of thing. Oh, I mean, it's, that's kind of the one thing I had when I started out of broadcast school. I was just a broadcaster working at a radio station. Those are going by the wayside now. Radio stations have kind of, they've limited their their news and sports and that local side of things a little bit and and now you're seeing the HN lives come out of there uh, uh, hockey tech hockey TV I guess would be another style where you can watch all these games obviously it's pay at times and but you, how about like Sean to be honest if I wasn't at the Rocky Mountain Classic I would be able to tell you who Braden Coons was I couldn't tell you who uh, you know what Cameron Schmidt is who just got drafted by Vancouver and and so on. The one thing is, I, I one thing I do miss about HN Live right now is I don't know. I, I don't have squad on the 08s this year. I have zero <laughs> intel on them, and I and I kick at myself. I haven't been able to get into it a little bit. But the it, it, everything's changing. Like the digital media side of things and promote and, and promotion kind of goes back to the full circle of this whole conversation, which I've thoroughly enjoyed today. Is the fact that you're not just a broadcaster anymore. You're comms. You're community relations. And I've really enjoyed the community relations stuff the last few weeks here with Matt Hat. And you're having a guy that's focused on graphics and videos and highlights. More content, the better. Uh, I, at sometimes I know a lot of people like less is more, but you know you still got to pump out that more that you weren't doing before. And it, it, there's just so many aspects. You need to have a bigger unit. You have to have a bigger staff. <laughs> just too many things to be done. And if you try and sort of skeleton through it, you're just dealing with the effects of burnout, and you, Sean, probably know that better than anybody when it comes to, <laughs> comes to situations like that, but it's such a great evolution, too, and it needs to happen. The one thing, I, I, one thing I'm upset about is local broadcasting, obviously. Uh, th- that hits home for a lot of us, that we can't get the, the game of the week on Shaw. They, they, they pulled the plug, and the TSM Plus games are, are, are whatever, and but you're not seeing those local broadcasts anymore, you know, chat here for years. They're, they're still doing a great job locally, but, you know, local television stations, maybe patching in a couple games or things like that. So this is one thing I do kind of miss is that you don't have that local 
push for local sports because he can't afford it or something like that. We're not seeing local football scores anymore every morning. I remember morning sports or afternoon sports getting scores sent in like the next day at like 3 a.m. from local <laughs> groups. All right, the the Barracudas beat the the Unicorns today 6-5. to five. Love that. I love that stuff. I really did. And that's maybe the one thing that we're missing, but A-Chan's kind of getting back to that a little bit there with the local. You're getting that U15 and like, man, the Stampede Challenge, what was that, U15 as well, a little bit, or U16? Yeah. I can't remember that. That was a long time ago, so. Well, uh, and then, then when, you know, we did the, the championship game for the Rocky Mountain, uh, you know, and you have almost a television-like broadcast with replays and multicams, and, you know, so the, the new digital world, you don't have to have uh, some major network uh, jumping on board. Yeah. You know, you can go and do your own thing. You know, I, I'm... I'm doing broadcasting uh, locally for our, our female U18 AAA team. Feels uh, good. And, uh, you know, and and it's the possibilities and of what you can do and who can get the, the focus are endless. Uh, yes, it's unfortunate that traditional media has kind of scaled back, but that's opened that door. And I think there's more opportunity. It's just not in the old way where you had the one job and you worked, you know, in one place. But but the uh, the level of opportunity and the different kinds of opportunity it's a different world. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you there, Sean. I, I I would love to see more local. Like it just you're growing you're growing stars everywhere. They're they're in Metcalf, they're in Swift, they're in Portland, they're in they're in Irvine, Scott or Irvine, Alberta. They're in Spruce Grove. They're in Chatwin. They're in Prince George. It doesn't matter. These kids are get like we have failed a little bit to not. Able to able to cover as much as we could. We got I've got some great local coverage here with local papers, but even then, like that's another question for another. That's a whole other ball of wax for another day. And uh, it, hopefully, we get to a point where that comes back a little bit, but it won't be anytime soon. Yeah, we yeah you know, we used we used to have Ryan McCracken on the show at a regular basis down there at the at the paper, but then he's he's moved up to and then you know I I'm a firm believer there are lots of things more important than hockey or sports in general, and that's that's where he's at. But uh yeah, you, you see, you make a good point about having having good uh, good local coverage still there in Medhat. Yeah, well, that's how you grow. That's how you and I grew, right, Sean? Like we didn't start in the Western League. We had to start in in Junior A or even lower, Junior B or, or Midget AAA or sorry, U eighteen now. <laughs> yes, Just, that's how you kind of have to start. And you know, I didn't start with a job in Calgary or Oakley I started with a job in Melford, Saskatchewan. They're just and it, it just makes you it makes you humble of what you actually have. Did you have a game of the week where you grew up, Chad, in the Midwest? The, the I'm sure the football game would yeah probably be covered. Pretty yeah, there was no yeah. There's certainly no junior hockey, and uh, you know we, <laughs> whatever whatever we were when I was when I was uh, first became aware of the game, it was whatever we could get on ESPN two. It was the the Deuce at the time here in the states, and, <laughs> and then and then the Glowpuck era was when I was when I was coming up. So, I, but at that point, yeah, I would take whatever I could get. Edmonton, Dallas, sure, I don't care. I'm watching it, like whatever. You know what I mean? So it was, yeah, it was uh, to to have the the options we have now, and you know, it's uh, it's 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 a lot easier. And we shows like this, you know, that we didn't we didn't used to have at, at that point. So it's. You know, it, 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 you know, in some ways, you know, you can miss what we, you know, the old, the olden days. But you know, the evolution, you know, of the digital has, has been, you know, effective and giving us a lot of new avenues, like you guys were touching on. 
Yeah. No, yeah, I, I got I got nothing out of there. I remember the game of the week or like the flames that have uh, on global or uh, two and seven or whatever the hell it was called, and it have like Ed Whalen be on twice a week, and then once in a while it'd be on RDTV, which was Red Deer TV, and that was like wild if you got it on that day or something like that. So this is the guy from with Peasant Vision that only had the three channels. I think that's a Canada thing where <laughs> you only had a couple <laughs> channels. So I don't know. I don't think Chad knows what Peasant Vision was. <laughs> I can, I can guess. I mean, <laughs> three channels. That's it, yeah. <laughs> and it's free. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was rabbit ears. That, rabbit ears. Yeah, yeah, no, that was exactly exactly my uh, my beginnings. And yeah, there was no. You weren't watching the game that way. That's 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 not that's not how we do it here in the states. But yeah. All right. The, the only thing was that 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 made it that made it more. Uh, uh, the radio guy mattered a little more back then, but I guess now you become the pay-per-view guy too. I, yeah. I know we're going to wrap up, but Gino, I have to ask, Uh-oh. only because it's something I followed myself too, when you put pro wrestling theme aficionado in your bio on Twitter, <laughs> I got to know, what's what's the greatest theme in pro oh, wrestling history then? Man, that, that's a loaded question. Like that, There's so many different ways that could be answered. It's it's all about the character and what's the event and where is it happening? Like, I, it sounds I think, like you're copping out. Oh, I'm not copping out because there's way too many. Like, Bret Hart's will always be big to me. Like, I, Stone Cold's iconic. I love Finn Balor's The Demon. I think that's one of the coolest intros ever when he had that. Uh, uh, Chris Jericho's uh, you know, uh, Judas is really good. Love that one. And it, it, it all depends on the person. It, there's a whole that, that is a that's another podcast for another day. But it just has to it has to work for the right person. And like Stone Cold's was amazing. Like the pop you get, or uh, you know what, Seth Rollins has got a really good one right now. Like unreal right now with everybody chanting and man, like Finn. I've loved, I've always loved Finn Balor's. I I'm a big fan of Finn Balor right now currently. Man, all time and Shawn Michaels. Come on, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a really good one. But I also love. You, you under- can't play that one to anyone who's not a fan, though, because they'll go, "What the hell is that?" Yeah. <laughs> why, why is that guy singing about and terribly about how sexy he is? But there's yeah. no way you. But and uh, even another intro that I love that's probably hated by lots was when the Undertaker was the American badass. I love that theme song. Like it was just it just worked. I loved it. it everyone's different. So that's why I, I love it. Like it, it it just goes with the territory where you are and Degeneration X or uh Pomp and Circumstance with freaking Macho Man Randy Savage. Like how sick is that? Like <laughs> it's just great. So I, I don't I, have a true favorite, I guess. I did kind of cop out, but just look at my Spotify, and I know like they did like those, uh, you know, if you had like your own music festival, I think my one headliner was WWE, it said on there. So, I don't know. I, I think American Badass is Chad's theme song, though, right, Chad? Well, yes! I'm in the American side, anyway. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, you mentioned... Uh, uh, Bret Hart, I would, I still have dreams of, of, of getting him on the on the show and, and and talking about the you know the team in Calgary, but you know who knows if that's I haven't had any luck so far. So he's got a bar now in Calgary. It's actually super cool. I want to go to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you have any other do we, anything else? Do you want to touch on Gino before we? Uh, no, uh, appreciate for the time being on here. I'm not, uh, you know, I. Still green, and I appreciate all of my brethren that have kind of let me in. 
kind of let me along for the ride. And, you know, God bless Bob Ridley. I, man, where would it be without him? He's been an, an absolute gem of a human. So, and guys like yourself, Sean, and, you know, working with Peter Labardius, you know, as a mentor and a friend to both of us. And, man, it, it's, been a, it's been a ride, and I hope it continues for a little bit longer anyway. Sweet. Yeah, if, uh, I mean that's one thing about this show is our, our our guests have fun, so we 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 can we can always hang our hats on that. So, you betcha, buddy. Thank you so much for having me. 